0: This evening's scripture reading will be read from Matthew, chapter 16, verse 26. Matthew, chapter 16, verse 26. For what is a man profit if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Good evening and welcome again. We're grateful for your presence. We're always thankful for the opportunity to be together to worship God in spirit and in truth. And we're gonna be looking at Matthew 16, 26 in just a moment. Before we do so, I do want to express appreciation to each of you for your presence tonight, particularly those who are visiting. We're always glad that we have visitors with us and it is our prayer that if you are looking for a church home, you would consider the work here. I know that as we have said before, the elders would be more than happy to meet with you and talk to you and answer any questions that you may have. Uh, it's good to see Brother Jesse with us tonight. We're glad that he's here with his family. We're glad to see them and pray that God is blessing them and that their work is going well. We're going to be looking at Matthew 16:26, as I said just a moment ago. Jesus in the long ago asked the question, What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world? And lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The song that we sang just a moment ago that Brother Billy led for us, what is Jesus worth to your soul? It's a good question. But a second question that we might ask, what is your soul worth to you? I want us to think for a moment or two about. The question, what would you give in exchange for your soul? The first thing that I want to do is call your attention to the worth of the soul. And then secondly, we're going to talk about the war for the soul. As we talk about the worth of the soul, I would submit unto you that your soul, my soul, every soul, is extremely valuable. It is costly. And there are some things that maybe we would do well to think about in connection to the soul. As we begin, let me just underscore this fact. There is nothing more valuable on this earth than your eternal soul. You and I, we can't see, touch, taste, or feel our soul. And yet we know that we have a soul, don't we? And that soul is more valuable than anything this world has to offer. And so when Jesus asked the question nearly 2,000 years ago, what would you give in exchange for your soul? That's a valid question. Not only is it a valid question, but it is an important question. Because ultimately, our soul is going to live forever, somewhere. And so we'll talk more about that in just a moment. As we think about the worth of the soul, let me just call attention to a couple of things. I said a moment ago that the human soul is extremely valuable, it is costly. And there are two things that I would share with you along these lines. First of all, I want you to consider with me, if you would, the creator of the soul. Now, I said a moment ago that you and I, we can't see, touch, taste, or feel the human soul, but we know we have a soul. How do we know that we have a soul? Well, the only way that you and I can know that we have a soul is by revelation. God has told us in His Word, that is, in the Bible, that we have a soul and that soul will live forever. Now, back in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible tells us that we have been made in the image and the likeness of Almighty God. In chapter 2, verse 7, the Bible tells us that God made man from the dust of the earth breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living soul. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, Solomon talks about the deterioration of the human body. And he points out that the longer we live, the aging process begins to take effect on our body. And so in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, he said that when death comes that the body returns to the dust from whence it was taken because we've been made from the dust of the earth according to Genesis 2 at verse 7. But he said the spirit returns to God who gave it. And so there is housed within us an eternal soul. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 12 at verse 9 that God is the father of our spirit. And so make no mistake about it. You and I, we are a dual being in the sense that there is what is called the outward man and the inward man. The outward man is subjected to aging, to disease, to illness, etc. The inward man, however, is quite different. The inward man is going to live forever. As Solomon pointed out in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, at verse 7, when death comes, the body's going to be deposited. into the the grave it's going to return to dust but the soul it's going back to be with almighty God and so we talk about the creator of the soul but then secondly I want you to consider with me if you would the redeemer of the soul and this really I believe underscores the value of your soul we ask the question how how valuable is your soul If if somebody were to ask you tonight What kind of price would you put on your soul? What would you say? Here's what I would say. My soul is not for sale. I'm not going to sell out my soul. And so when we talk about the worth of the soul, we need to understand that God is the creator of the soul, but he is also the redeemer of the soul. Let me just call attention to a couple of things along these lines. First of all, as we think about the worth of the soul and the fact that God is the redeemer of the soul, I would call attention to the scope of God's love. Over and over again in the Bible, we read about the love of God. In Genesis and going forward to Revelation, the Bible is a book that could be described as a love story. God's love for the human family. God loves each of us, individually speaking. Does he love us collectively as members of the body of Christ? Absolutely. But he also loves us individually. He loves me individually. He loves you individually. And so there are are a number of verses that we could appeal to to emphasize the love of God. John 3, 16, a passage well known by all of us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What about the scope of God's love? God's love is inclusive. It includes everyone. Does't matter what race you are, doesn't matter about your educational background, It doesn't matter about your social status. It doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank. The bottom line is, God loves you individually. And I think that says, says something about the worth of your soul. And then in Romans chapter five, verse eight, Paul said, but God commendeth his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrated his love for those of us who comprise the human family by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. Now, put it all into perspective. We talk about the worth of the soul. God views the human soul as extremely valuable. God views your soul as value, as valuable. So much so that here's what the Bible says about you. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 at verse 4, Paul said that God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants you to be saved. When we talk about the worth of the soul, you need to understand that God has gone to great measures to procure your salvation. And then in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, Peter would say, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There is no reason why anyone should be lost because God has done everything to ensure our salvation. And those of us who belong to the body of Christ, we need to understand the importance of the soul. When Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Jesus was emphasizing the worth of the soul. Your soul is so valuable that God sent his son to die for your sins. But then also, the sacrifice of God's love. What about the sacrifice of God's love? Well, Romans 8, Verse 32. Paul said that God spared not his own son, but freely gave him up for us all. Now we talk about the worth of the human soul. Think think for a moment about the relationship that God the Father has enjoyed with Jesus Christ, the second member of the Godhead, throughout all of eternity. God willingly allowed his son to come to earth Tabernacle among men, live among mankind, be put to death, a horrible death on Calvary's cross, so that you and I might enjoy eternal life. Listen to what John said in 1 John 4, verse 14. He said, we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Now you want to talk about the value of your soul? How much are you worth in the eyes of God? Let me tell you what. There's not enough money in the world to exchange for your soul. God views your soul as extremely valuable. It is so valuable that God spared not his own son. Why? So that you might be saved. So that you might spend eternity with him forevermore. Now having said that I want you to think with me in the second place about the war for the soul. Make no mistake about it. There's a war going on. In 1 Peter chapter 2 at verse 11, the apostle Peter would say, "Abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul." And what you and I need to take from that is that we are pilgrims or sojourners upon this earth. That's what Peter said in that verse. And The bottom line is there is a war going on, and that war is for your eternal soul. God is interested in your soul. God wants you to be saved. On the other hand, the devil is interested in your soul. And the devil is doing everything within his power to see that you're condemned to an eternal hell. You see, the devil wants you to be destroyed. On the one hand, God wants you to be saved. On the other hand, the devil wants you to be lost. He wants you to be condemned. He wants to hear Jesus say to you, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. That's what the devil wants. Now, as we think about the war for the soul and the conflict that we're involved in, let me just pause here and ask this question. What would you give in exchange for your soul? I asked the question a moment ago, how much is your soul worth to you? A second question, What would you give in exchange for your soul? Let me just provide for you some answers that I believe some people would give to this question. And the reason I know that is because their actions speak louder than words. Number one, some people are willing to exchange their soul for professional success. In other words, what they want is to achieve success in the realm of business or in their chosen field of endeavor. They want to be the best. Is there anything wrong with wanting to be the best? Is there anything wrong with wanting to be successful in business or in some other endeavor in life? Absolutely not. However, if we get so caught up in trying to climb the corporate ladder that we lose our soul, let me ask this question. What have we gained? In Luke chapter 12, Jesus tells the story of a rich farmer whose ground brought forth plentifully. He had a problem. And he asked the question, what shall I do? And the reason he asked that question was because his barns were overflowing. And so he said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will bestow all my crops and goods. And then I'll say to my soul, soul, take your ease, eat, drink, be merry. But here's what the Lord said. God said, you fool. This night... Your soul is required of you. The problem that this man had, his focus was on business. His focus was on the attainment of more and more and more and more. And he forgot about God. He was rich in the things of this world, but he had forgotten about his soul. Now, all of us want to be successful in life. We want to to do well in our chosen profession. But let me ask this question. If you work seven days a week, 12 hours a day, or 15 hours a day, and you reach the top of the business world, you have everything that you could ever want or hope for, but you lose your soul, what do you really gain? I had a friend of mine some years ago that asked a mutual friend of ours, who is very successful in the business realm. As a matter of fact, he operates a company in excess of $100 million in sales every year. This guy is very successful. He's got his hand in a lot of different pieces of pie all, all across this country. This buddy of mine asked him on one occasion, how much more do you need? I mean, how much do you need? Here, 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 here was a guy, here is a guy, because he's still alive, He's got everything. Got everything money could buy. Very successful. But the problem is, he gives little thought to his soul. All I'm saying is, if you're not careful, you can exchange your soul for professional success. And there are a lot of people that do that. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2 at verse 11, Solomon, as you well know, was an individual renowned, world renowned. Solomon was the king over Israel in Jerusalem. You want to talk about reaching the top, being the best of the best? Well, Solomon was that man. And there are a lot of people that accentuate just be successful in life. Don't worry about anything else. Let me give you a second thing that we can exchange our soul for, and that is power. I mentioned Solomon just a moment ago. Power can be intoxicating. Solomon said, as I referenced just a moment ago in Ecclesiastes, that he was the king over Israel in Jerusalem. There are some very powerful people in our world today. There will be millions upon millions upon millions of dollars spent in this country over the next year to elect one man to be the president of this country. A lot of money spent to sit in the Oval Office. Is power important to you? Would you give your soul to be powerful? Don't tell me that people aren't interested in power. I know better. There are people that would be willing right now to sell their soul to the devil for just a little more power. I said a moment ago that we are at war. There is a war going on for your soul. The devil does not care how he gets your soul. If he gets you caught up in making money, and climbing the corporate ladder to the point you forget about God, so be it. If it's about power, if that's what you crave, and you're constantly trying to gain more power in this city or in this country or in this world, then guess what? It doesn't matter to him. Just as long as he gets your soul, gets his hooks in your soul. Pontus Pilate, you remember him? Jesus stood before him in John chapter 19 Jesus had been scourged by Pilate. Pilate is the one that ordered our Lord to be scourged. Toward the latter part of the trial, do you know what Pilate said to Jesus? He said, do you not know that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? Now he thought he had that kind of power. Jesus said, really, in effect, you wouldn't have any power at all unless the father from above had given it to you, but the bottom line is this, Pilate thought he was a man of great power. He was a man of great power. Would you give your soul for power? Let me call your attention to a third thing, prestige. There are a lot of people in our world today, it's all about fame and prestige. Go back again and look at Solomon in Ecclesiastes. You remember what Solomon said? He said, "I have attained greatness." If you had gone around taking a poll of the Israelite people and said, "Do you know who Solomon? Do you know who Solomon is?" What do you think they would have said? Nobody knew who Solomon was. The Queen of Sheba came from the south to have an interview with Solomon. Solomon was a man renowned, world renowned. Would you sell your soul to be a household name? Again, don't tell me people aren't concerned about fame. There are a lot of people in our world today, it's all about fame. And they don't care what it takes to get there. They want to be famous. There are a lot of people in our world today, they've got fame and fortune. They've got everything this world has to offer. But there is this empty void. I read a great article this past week. It was really a sad article in Sports Illustrated. It was an article about a man that went by the name Sweetness, played for the Chicago Bears. He was a great running back. I read his life story, an excerpt from his life story. This guy was famous. He had it all. He had everything this world had to offer, but there was something missing in his life. He was known from coast to coast, from pole to pole, as they say. But guess what? The most important element in life was missing, and it was glaring as I read about him in that article. Would you sell your soul to be famous? There are a lot of famous folks in our world today. If you had the opportunity to sit down and talk to them face-to-face, you know what they would tell you? Some would say they're happy. Some might say they're content, but there are a whole lot of folks out there. They're not happy. They're not content. There's a hole the size of the Grand Canyon in their heart. And so they're trying to medicate That void with drugs and alcohol and sex and anything else you can think of. Let me give you a fourth thing that we can exchange our soul for prosperity. You like money? Would you sell your soul for a dollar bill? You might say, not a chance. Well, that's good. There are a lot of people that have, though. You remember what the Apostle Paul said. Godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into this world. Now listen to him. It is certain we can carry nothing out. What's what's Paul saying there? All Paul is saying is, look, you came into this world with nothing. And you're going to leave with nothing. Job said it this way. Naked came I into this world, and naked shall I depart. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. You and I, we came into this world with nothing and we are leaving with nothing. We may have a bank account full of money. We may have all kinds of stocks and bonds and CDs and anything else this world has to offer. But, bottom line is, we're not going to take it with us. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul said, but they that are minded to be rich fall into a temptation and snare and many foolish and hurtful lust. Did you hear what he said? Foolish and hurtful lust, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, which some men having reached for have pierced themselves through with many sorrows and been led astray from the faith. There are some guys in our world today, they are what a friend of mine used to say, they're Batman rich. You know what it means to be Batman rich? It means to be rich. Rich, rich, rich. There are some folks like that. Bill Gates, a lot of money. Steve Jobs. Or Steve Jobs, rather. A lot of money. You can't take it with you, can you? How many people do you think would give their soul for a bank full of money? A lot of people would. And then fifthly and finally, pleasure. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 at verse 4, Paul talks about those who are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. In Hebrews chapter 11, the writer there talks about Moses in the long ago who chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season can you have fun in this world you better know you can can you have fun the right way absolutely now let me ask this question can you have fun the wrong way you know what I'm talking about by having fun the wrong way the answer to that question would be yes too There are a lot of folks out here in this world and they're doing a lot of bad things. They're drinking, they're smoking, they're carousing, they're gambling. I mean, they're doing a lot of things. Are they having fun? I'm not going to question that. There are a lot of things out there in this world that you can do. I'm not saying they're right. You can do them and they're fun. The Hebrew writer talked about the pleasures of Listen, there are a lot of things that this world has to offer that are fun to do. The problem is they're they're not sanctioned by God. Would you sell your soul? Would you give your soul for the momentary pleasures of this world? Before you say no, let me ask this question. What is your lifestyle? How are you living right now? Let's think in the second place. We talk about the conflict, the war for our soul, but I want you to think with me in the second place about the conquest. And here's here's really what we want to do. We want to try to put our soul in perspective. And there are two questions I have for you. Number one, this is an important question. What is your purpose on earth? If someone were to ask you on the street corner, what is your purpose on earth? How would you answer that? What would you say? Go back, and look at, go back and look at Solomon. Look at his life. Was he successful in the professional realm? Yes, he was. Was he successful in terms of power? Yes, he was. Prestige. Again, we have to answer yes. Prosperity. Again, the answer, yes. What about pleasure? Again, the answer is yes. You know what he said? In Ecclesiastes chapter 2 at verse 10, he said, My heart, or rather he said, I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure. Solomon is saying, look, if it was out there and I wanted it, if it'd make me happy, if it would somehow bring me some gratification in this life, guess what? I did it. I tried it. And you can read the book of Ecclesiastes. And really, Solomon is placing life under a microscope. And Solomon is saying, Look, I tried everything this world has to offer. Solomon had it all. He was the king over Israel in Jerusalem. He was great, as he said, he had, ple- he had pleasure. He had power. He had prestige. He had all these things. But did that really bring happiness to his life? In chapter 12, when he chronicles the aging process and the fact that death is coming to all, he concludes his study. I think about Solomon sitting down and weighing all of this out and drawing some conclusions And here's what he said. Here's the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is man's all. Solomon was saying to people of every generation, look, you want to be happy in life? You want to know what life is all about? You want to understand what the thrust, the focal point of your life ought to be? Fear God, keep his commandments. For this is man's all. So, What's your purpose on earth? What are you all about? Are you about your job? Is it about sports? Is it about some kind of hobby? Is it about power or prestige or pleasure? What, what, what is it that, as they say, floats your boat? I mean, what are you after in this life? What's the focal point of your life? Now, a second question. We're trying to put our soul in perspective. Here's the second question, and I believe it's a very important question. Where do you plan to spend eternity? Where are you going to be in eternity? Let me just pause here and and ask this question in relationship to our study. 100 years from today, where do you think you'll be? I know where I'll be. You know where you're going to be? I may be wrong. There may be an infant here that would prove me wrong. There might be somebody here tonight who would be an exception. But for all intents and purposes, 100 years from tonight, you know where we're going to be? We're going to be in eternity. There's not going to be a one of us left on planet earth. Unless the Lord delays his coming, our body will be residing in the cemetery. Your soul will will have returned to God who gave it life. When God gets your soul, he's going to place that soul in one of two abodes. He is, he's, he is either going to put your soul in that realm known as paradise, Abraham's bosom, or he's going to place your soul in an abode called Tartarus. That's the realm of the unrighteous, the ungodly. So I ask again, where are you going to be in eternity? There are a lot of questions that carry a lot of weight in our world, but I'm telling you right now, the most important question that you and I are confronted with on a regular basis when we read scripture, where will we be in eternity? I want you to think long and hard about that question. And in light of that question, let me ask this. This. It may be the case that you're thinking right now, I plan to be in heaven. I suspect that all of us here tonight, that's what, we, that's what we're aiming for. I hope we are. Does your practice equate to your profession? Have you obeyed the gospel of Christ? If you have not obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, please listen to me very carefully. You don't have a prayer 100 years from now if you die outside of Jesus Christ. Do you hear what I'm saying? You don't have a prayer. I mean not one prayer. There is not one word that you could utter before the Son of God that will change your circumstances if you are not in a covenant relationship with him when you step out into eternity. Listen to what Jesus said. He that believeth, number one, and is baptized, number two, shall be saved, number three. You can slice it a lot of different ways, but the fact of the matter is only those who obey the gospel and live faithfully until death have the promise of living with the Lord forevermore. Now, you may be here tonight and you are not faithful to the Lord's church. You're not living like you ought to be living. If you're not faithful and you step out into eternity, you don't have one prayer. You don't have one chance now, we talk about life and death and things that are serious, and we talk about things of, that, that are frivolous in nature. But if you step out into eternity unprepared to meet Almighty God, here's what the Hebrew writer said. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. I wish I could stand before you tonight and say that every person that has been baptized into Christ will one day go to heaven. But the fact of the matter is, some people who have been baptized are not going to heaven because they have not lived a faithful life. There are people in eternity as we speak that would give anything to be where you are tonight. The problem, they sold their soul to the devil. They sold out. They got caught up in a way of life, and I know what people think, and one of the reasons I know people think this way is because I've been there. You talk to most people in the church who are unfaithful, you know what they'll tell you? There are a lot of people outside the church. You know what they're gonna tell you when you talk about their soul? Oh, I plan to get right. I plan to change my life. They're banking on the thought that they're going to have time and opportunity to get themselves right in the sight of God. They just didn't plan to have a heart attack. They didn't plan to have an automobile accident. They didn't plan to have a stroke. They didn't plan for a lot of things. And guess what? They will lose their eternal soul. If you're here tonight and you are not faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, I would beg you tonight, do not leave this building. This morning we talked about the seriousness of Christianity. Listen, this stuff we're talking about, this is life and death. This is real world stuff. You better not leave this world without Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So, let me close by simply saying what Jesus asked in the long ago What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What would you give for your soul? My soul? is not for sale. Am I saying I'm perfect? Absolutely not. But I can tell you right now, my soul is not for sale. I hope your soul is not for sale. If you've sold out to the world and you're out there in the world and you are upside down in a life of ungodliness, my plea to you, come home tonight. If you've never obeyed the gospel, repent, be baptized for the remission of your sins. As Peter said in Acts 2.38, have every sin washed away. Acts 22:16. If you are unfaithful, come home tonight. As we stand and sing.